Society builders paved the way to a better world, to a better day. A united approach to building a new society. Join a conversation for social transformation. Society builders. Ooh. Society builders with your host, Dwayne Veron. Welcome to Society Builders, and thanks for joining the conversation for social transformation. Today, we explore part three of our trilogy of episodes, exploring the December 30, 2021 message of the Universal House of Justice to the Continental Board of Counselors, giving us our mandate for society building. Now again, today, like in our previous two episodes, we'll simply refer to the message here as the message. In part one, we explored what I called the bookends of the message, the introduction and the conclusion. Together, these seven paragraphs really give you a sense of destiny. It helps position us in our journeys over the course of the next 25 years with the singular focus on society building. And it helps situate us in the larger history of our faith, highlighting the pivotal role it plays. I mean, truly inspiring stuff. Then in part two, we dived into the middle of the message and focused on the fourth part, exploring the theme of social transformation. We needed the whole episode and probably future episodes to cover just the five paragraphs that make up that section. So this leaves us with the near impossible task of covering the remainder of the message today. That's the remaining 27 paragraphs. Obviously, that's a lot of ground to cover. So we're going to try something a little different here today. Today, I'm going to interview my good friend, Dr. Kynan Feeney. Now, Kynan previously served as an auxiliary board member in my region, and I've always been impressed with his command of the new administrative landscape. So I'm gonna get Kynan's help here in working our way through the rest of the message. So today, with the help of my good friend Kynan, we'll explore the parts of the message discussing clusters, training institutes, and the implications for Baha'i administration. So roll up your sleeves, and let's get started. Kynan, welcome to Society Builders. Thank you, Duane. I really appreciate being here. Thank you. Well, we've got a lot of ground to cover today, so let's get started. Kynan, let's start with the cluster construct, since this is the focus of section two of the message. Of course, the community will need to grow further for us to be able to contribute more widely to society building. And the path to such growth will be facilitated at the grassroots level. And this is the level that we refer to as the cluster. So Kynan, what's a cluster and how does it move through what the Universal House of Justice calls a continuum of development? A cluster really is an area that considers a population of people. It usually has some sort of common sense of geography, society, perhaps like a city or a group of villages. And what it does is it enables the Baha'is of that area to think about how to stimulate in a manageable and sustainable way the growth processes. 
It also enables the resources of that community to pull together so that the sum is much greater than the individual parts. What they really are is about a system of organizing the activities to achieve the expansion and consolidation of the Baha'i community within a cluster. So they generally are marked by certain milestones. Early on in a cluster's development, it might be the friends are moving through the institute process, the educational program that we're involved with for the expansion and consolidation of the Baha'i community. And then from that, there'll be a number of activities which emerge, things like children's classes, devotional meetings and study circles. And then as the cluster grows, certain other milestones are, are met. Things such as an increasing number of friends moving into these courses. And as the programs of growth developed, there often is an increasing number of lines of action which are integrated and often more advanced levels of service. For example, there might be an increasing number of social and economic development programs, perhaps public discourses and other such things. We know that one of the chief objectives of the nine-year plan from the House of Justice message is to have at least one advanced cluster in each region of every country. So the institutions of the faith are identifying around every country of the world how to ensure that there's at least one of these, but of course in many areas there might be many, so that from these clusters we can then learn and also hopefully as they grow enable some of the friends there who have rich experiences and the ability to do so to even move to other clusters of the world where they're perhaps at an earlier stage of development and bring that learning to bring forward the growth processes in those areas. That will rely upon what we call pioneers, so people that may move from one area to another to help the Baha'i communities in those areas. And that might be in the home front, for example, moving from one class to another. And in fact, it'll also be international. So we know that there are international goals around the world at the moment, where every single Baha'i community is being asked to look at how the friends there, who are in some of the advanced clusters of the world, can perhaps move to an overseas area where they can serve and potentially help the growth processes in those areas be accelerated. So the clusters are all at different stages of development at the moment in the Baha'i world, and these are along a continuum. So whilst we'll have these milestones that mark certain significant steps forward, all of these clusters are moving along a continuum of increasing complexity and increasing numbers and increasing movement towards Baha'i community life that is embracing a larger circle of the society around them. And it's the movement along this continuity of development that's critical for the current nine-year plan, that all the clusters of the world see themselves as moving forward from whatever stage they are to a new level of development as best they can along this nine-year plan. And that's what we refer to as a continuum of development. Now, we've discussed in our previous episodes how society building is something we'll be doing in partnership with wider society. And the message explores this theme even further here, highlighting how critical it is that we welcome people to join with us in this work, even if they don't identify themselves as Baha'is. And this is something we've gotten a lot better at over the past 25 years. I mean, it was one of the main achievements of these past years that we celebrated in episode four. And it's important for us to remember that in these journeys of service, some people will choose to embrace the faith and some won't. And that's entirely their choice. But of course, there's a lot that we can do to be better accommodating for such souls, helping remove some of the obstacles that might stand in their way. So Kynan, how do we build on our achievements of the past here? 
You know, I think I think that's incredibly true. Even in the short, say, 25, 30 year journey for me as a Baha'i, in that short period of time, I've seen huge changes in the way the community is opening up itself to to wider society and embracing itself with others in a way which perhaps it didn't in the past. You know, we we, we don't have as much of this us versus them, or there's like people that Baha'is will not, because we, we're joining together. And the beautiful analogy that the House of Justice uses is, is walking a path of service. You know, it says that we're all walking together, all together, helping this community, helping this society to, to move forward. You know, as we are accompanying people on this, on this path of service, as we're walking together, sure, there'll be different paces, different strides, as the House of Justice reminds us. And we should always accept everyone in where they want to walk on that path. But we also shouldn't be afraid or we maybe shouldn't be reticent to also welcome those that really do want to uh, step, step over and say, look, I want to be a part of that process as a believer of Baha'u'llah. And what does that mean? And what does that involve? And I think that really is something that we're, we're all learning more about all the time. And the House of Justice, I think, is encouraging us to learn more about that. And occasionally there can be obstacles and it's it's knowing how to recognize those obstacles knowing how to understand what are the things that may be stopping someone from embracing baha'u'llah as a manifestation you know for me it was understanding the relationship of baha'u'llah and christ you know and understanding how really becoming a baha'i doesn't mean in any way diminishing my love for christ or other manifestations which was really great when you become a baha'i you really have a more expansive view of religion and its historical context. But for others, it may be something else. And, and I think the House of Justice is really encouraging us how to think about this, how to learn about this, how to overcome anyone's obstacles and the barrier of, of recognizing what is ultimately their soul's purpose, which is the recognition of the manifestation and to ultimately continue their spiritual journey along those lines. It's a great point, Kynan. We want to make sure that people are comfortable in joining with us in this path of service. And clearly, that service is not conditional upon them actually embracing the faith. But by the same token, we also want to improve our capacity to help remove any obstacles that might stand in their way. So that's something for us to work on in the years ahead. And that relates to our need to learn more broadly from our initiatives. Naturally, the challenge at the community level here is to learn from our various initiatives to see which approaches are most effective in our own communities. How does this happen, Kainan? How do we learn from our initiatives? There's a whole range of spiritual requisites which come in. And I think in some of your earlier episodes about the message, Dwayne, you've talked about them. You know, the, the need to, to be humble, to learn, to listen, to recognize the commonality and what you're doing with others. But if I can just maybe use one particular example, which may be a way to illustrate this concept, is that the junior youth program. Okay, so the junior youth program is where you have a group of junior youth, they come together with an animator and they work through a series of books and often do a number of community service projects and perhaps some other social activities. Looking at that, you think, well, there's a group of junior youth, there's an animator and that's all you need. But really the learning that's emerging in our cluster and I would say around the world is for that program to work, it really requires a whole of community approach, a whole of family approach. It really just isn't the junior youth. It's the parents. It's the community members supporting them. And it's the community members supporting the animator, it's him, him or herself. You know, so it's understanding 
well, look, there are certain ingredients there that, that may look like they're, they're essential to make this thing work. But then over time, you realize, no, there are, there are many other elements. And as you go into the field, as you go and serve in the field, you learn from them. And also you learn from the others that are doing them. And that, that's really one of the keys of, of the cluster where you can come together and you can learn from those that perhaps have more experience and more success. And you can see from them, well, this is something that they've approached. And so from moving from a personal perspective, I can, can really testify to how important that sharing of learning is. Something also that was really important in the message that you touched on, but I thought were really important in this particular uh, concept is setbacks leave them unfazed. You know, the, the House of Justice, when they say setbacks leave them unfazed, they're really trying to create a culture in the Baha'i community where we don't get down about ourselves because something doesn't work out or things don't go as planned because that's going to happen. You know, things will sometimes not go the way we think. These things are not often linear. You know, they don't just happen from A to B. There's a lot of other things that happen, but this concept of setbacks don't leave them unfade, I think is really important for the learning process to not give up at the first sign of potential feelings of failure or feelings that things aren't working out as best as they could, which I think is natural for all of us. Another learning from the House of Justice message in regards to that was, they really ask us to look at the local realities. So how our realities may be different from others and to sort of see what sort of approaches, what sort of receptivity may be appropriate for wherever you are living and the, the opportunities that are related to you. That might be both your neighborhood, but also perhaps your work or your family and social environment. And whatever those realities are, you need to then sort of think about them and think, well, what is it that I can do that will work here? And then learning from those things. Another part of the message, which I think relates to this, is where the House of Justice talks about the alternating rhythm of action and reflection. I mean, that's really the essence of it, isn't it? This concept that we, that we act, we reflect. And often in that, we will review the writings again, perhaps seek guidance institutions, but we act again. And that alternating rhythm is now one of the characteristics of the Baha'i culture, which is emerging, which is fantastic to see. And it's very different to the way we thought about this in the past, you know, meaning like more than 25 years ago, where a lot of it was really more about theory and then kind of like action. Yeah. Now we act, we reflect, we act, we reflect. It's an iterative process instead of just some kind of theorizing that we do in a meeting and then try to make happen. Yeah, I think that's one of the great fruits of the last 25 years for the Baha'i community is that, that, you know, rather than thinking that we just need to sit passively and wait for people to tell us what to do, you know, the institutions are saying, well, here's the, here's the general framework, off you go. Give it a go. See what happens. And, and that's great. You know, and that's about the individuals and the communities with the institutions working together and actually trying to work out. So how is this going to work for us? You know, what is it going to look like? Well, we have to do it by acting first. You know, we have to go out there into the field. So you covered a lot of ground there, cultivating the right attitude towards learning, sharing from our initiatives, being unfazed in the face of setbacks reading our realities and this pulsating rhythm of action and reflection so that we learn to give it a go and reflect and learn to improve in our next initiative. Now that's learning. Now the next section of the message focuses on life in more advanced clusters. Let's talk about the pattern for community life that follows. 
Clearly, universal participation is the goal here, but the message focuses on another concept here, and this is the idea of families and individual believers working together as part of an expanding nucleus. Kynan, let's explore this here. Yeah, so this was, this was really interesting for me, this part of the message, because we've heard about clusters for quite some time, but this message for me opened a lot of, lot of new vistas. What the House Justice say here is that if you have passed the third milestone, it says that there is some intense activity happening within specific neighborhoods and villages, but also concerted effort being made by the generality of the believers. So there isn't this false dichotomy. So it's not like, oh, those advanced clusters where there's really intensive neighborhoods. And the House of Justice is saying the whole cluster, the whole cluster is moving forward. This universal participation exists where everyone in that cluster really is moving according to their circumstances. Again, they talk about reading the reality of their own circumstances, so that wherever in the cluster they live. So families and individuals are working together. And then they talk about this expanding nucleus. So what does this mean? They say it's a group of friends set about widening the circle of participation. So whatever that looks like, it may be groups of families around a June youth program. It may be groups of families that have some similar work relationships, maybe a school, maybe some other community hub. But this nucleus then is something that expands where more and more people are being invited into the community's endeavors. And the House of Justice reassures us these efforts have tremendous merit. So we know that this is going to be probably a focus for us, at least for this nine-year plan, if not further. And what's really interesting as well is that the House of Justice recognizes and explains to us that even where there are some intense activities in neighborhoods, still these activities of these expanding nucleuses of, of families and friends may in fact be where the majority of activity within a cluster is occurring. So I say here, the rest of the cluster may still represent a large proportion of all the activity that is occurring. And at the end of this paragraph, they talk about specific populations. So this for me was also very interesting. Um, when I was serving as a board member, I remember that one of the House of Justice even said to me back then, he was saying, look, there are these clusters and frameworks, but think about specific populations, learn about where there is receptivity, where you can actually accelerate the growth further where there are people that are perhaps ready to get involved in whatever it is you're doing. It could be, for example, a certain migrant group, maybe a certain occupational group. It may be even a, an age group like youth or junior youth. But if you can find these populations which are very receptive, then you can really accelerate the processes of growth within that cluster. And again, when, when you're in a cluster, the families and groups can come together within the cluster meeting and there's other areas within the cluster they can learn. And in those spaces, they can actually learn from each other. And again, that's a huge thing within a cluster. So you're not isolated. It's just a group of families on your own trying to work it out. You know, of course, we always have the institutions to guide us, but having other similar groupings and how they're working, what are they doing? What are some of the ideas? And we're learning from sort of ideas of what other people do. Oh, well, they, you know, they have regular gatherings or they have some dinners or they have some side programs. They have a book club. You know, there's all sorts of things. You think, wow, that, that would really work with my group. My families would love a book club. At least they can get together occasionally, read books of interest. And, and you know, with that process, they, they form bonds. And then from that, further things can happen. 
I love it. It gives you a lot of latitude here to find the people you work best with, other families, other friends. It provides such an open space for initiative at a level that sits somewhere between individual initiative and community initiatives. Because, you know, there's just something more motivating about working in this way. All right, let's move on. The message highlights the critical role of the arts here. How do the arts help? When I think about arts, I think about culture. I think, what does it mean for the arts in, for example, say other religions? Well, it may mean, for example, Christmas carols. And it may bring you back to your childhood. So when when Christmas happens, you listen to Christmas carols, and it brings you back to when you were opening presents with your family or your visiting family, and it, it sort of builds your identity around a religious group. But the House of Justice, again, expands our vision when it comes to arts here. You know, it's about expression. It's about disseminating knowledge. It's about understanding, as well as joy and strengthening bonds of unity. So it's such a huge part of what the emerging Baha'i culture requires and needs to develop. The arts is also a very natural way that wider society can both learn about and be involved with the Baha'i faith. You know, within our own cluster, when we've had huge examples of the way the arts have been involved in doing these things from dramatic performances of the Seven Valleys to choirs, through to dance performances, through to concerts, but even just outside of these larger uh, gatherings, you know, just the local friends that involved with putting Baha'u'llah's words to music, doing small performances with children at the local level. My experience is that is the best way to initially introduce concepts of the Baha'i faith to those that are around us, because everyone wants to go to see their child perform. Everyone loves to see their kids sing a song. And if they're singing a song about unity and they're understanding that and they're looking at these people, well, what better way for them to learn about the Baha'i faith? What better way for them to introduce them to a community uh, that celebrates unity, that celebrates the arts in that way? Good points. You know, there are so many opportunities with the arts. One of the things I was thinking about here was the message has a number of times where they challenge us to bring groups that are antagonistic towards each other together and to help them find a path that unites them. I mean, this is such a challenge. I mean, it's something I've really been thinking a lot about. How do we do that? But in the arts, you have a real opportunity for this. It's the kind of opportunity that you just don't have in any other arena. Because with the arts, people can enter into a space where they temporarily let their guard down to explore ideas like these antagonistic groups that might otherwise be hard for them to open up to exploring. I mean, it's just one example of the unique role that the arts can play here in helping provide a unifying bridge. And there are so many other examples like this. So as we move to these more advanced stages in our continuum of development as clusters, our focus on society building grows in providing for the spiritual education of children and junior youth, in our relations with authorities and multiplying initiatives. And it's within that context that within the cluster, we increasingly steer our own development. And our relationship to the surrounding society undergoes profound change. Kynan, what does that start to look like? So this is something 
I don't have much personal experience with because I'm not within a cluster where that's happened. But I have listened to some of the board members and councillors that have talked about this. And it's really interesting because when they talk about it, suddenly their face changes, their eyes light up. It's almost like with a sense of wonder that they start to talk about some of these clusters where up to 50% perhaps of the local population are actually either Baha'is or involved in the Baha'i activities of that cluster. And it's so interesting because the whole dynamic of that community starts to change. You know, the words that they use are the words that the Baha'i use. Consultation, unity, truthfulness, trustworthiness. And then in those communities, the Baha'i institutions, the whole nature of the way that they start to function differs. Now we all know in the future, the local houses of justice will administer justice and guidance to the whole locality. But for most of us, the experience really is the local assembly administering mainly the Baha'i activities and then perhaps some degree of public relations, relationships with government and so on. But in these communities, the local spiritual assemblies often are taking upon them to educate all the children of the cluster, not just with the Baha'i children classes, but literacy and other things, perhaps taking on projects of social development, sanitation, environmental repair. So the whole of that community suddenly transforms. And when you, when you hear when you hear the reports of some of these advanced clusters from the councillors and the board members around the world, it's it's really like a totally new way of thinking about what we're doing. And then you actually see the society building powers of the faith truly coming to light. So one of the visions the House of Justice is sharing with us here in, in a small glimpse, in a small glimmer is this is what we're doing. So you might be, for example, a few of you in a small locality or maybe a, a number of your families and you're working towards this. But the House of Justice says, look, look up, look over there. Do you see what they're doing? This will be you soon. This is what we're building. Don't think it's just some little small step just to do a few small activities. What you're creating is this whole world order that Baha'u'llah has envisioned for us. And of course, in those advanced clusters, that's just the beginning as well. It's not like that's the end, but that's, that's what we're all aiming towards perhaps in this generation, in the next 25 to 30 years. Wow, you're right, Kain. And just imagining that kind of future is so inspiring. It makes you really crave that kind of future for your own cluster. I think everyone should take a beat and just try to imagine what their world would look like in this kind of scenario. I mean, it's truly inspiring stuff. Okay, so the next section of the message is about social transformation, which we've already explored in our last episode. That's where we spent the entire episode and where we'll devote future episodes to understanding just those five powerful paragraphs in the message. So it's something we'll continue reflecting on a great deal, I'm sure. And the section on social transformation then leads into the section focusing on training institutes. So Kynan, so that we're all on the same page here, what is a training institute? And why do you think the Universal House of Justice celebrates this as the choicest fruit of the previous series of global plans. So the Training Institute really is, is an educational program for the Baha'is to raise capacity for service so that we can together move along a path 
of working out how do we raise up these Baha'i communities? How do we raise up these communities' activities? The fundamental parts of this process is to connect us to the Word of God and for us to develop skills, attitudes and capabilities to facilitate all those processes of community life that we're now understand as a very critical part of Baha'i community life. Things like children's classes, devotional meetings and junior youth groups. So a community has needs and in the past perhaps what happened was there might be, for example, some very gifted or very knowledgeable Baha'is that would help to deepen, for example, Baha'i knowledge, help to run Baha'i classes and attend to the community requirements. But it was a little bit haphazard and relied upon these individuals that had to a large degree individual initiative to propel those things forward. But what the training institutes did was they actually systematically enabled populations to raise up friends that would actually attend to all the various needs of community life. They did it in a systematic way and in a sustainable way. So even within the process, for example, if you need tutors to run these educational programs, the process itself has that built in so that those friends that are learning how to do these activities eventually become teachers of it and then they become teachers of new people. So it helps to sustain the activities of community life. It's not saying that we still don't need people with special skills or knowledge, but we can't rely upon that for community life to grow and be sustained. So I think when the House of Justice uses words like the choicest fruit, it obviously is referring to something very special, very remarkable. What we now see is a network of permanent institutes throughout the Baha'i world that have raised an immense capacity within the Baha'i community to serve itself and others in a way which is self-initiating and self-propelling. It's building the capacity for service from the youngest of ages so that the whole community is geared from an early age. It's serving those around it and also wider society. It's doing it in ever-increasing numbers, so it's not constrained by just a few individuals. It's building the capacity of whole communities, not just individuals. And hundreds of thousands have now entered into this process and come through as children's classes teachers, junior youth animators, but also people that help to foster community life through facilitating all these processes of growth that are happening at the moment around all the clusters of the world. And you raise a great point here, Kynan. This process now sees hundreds of thousands having gone through it all over the world. That's such an incredibly strong foundation to build with as we continue moving through this process of raising resources on a self-generative basis to meet our new needs as we work to release the society building power of the faith. So on that note, the Universal House of Justice calls for a more expansive view of the training institutes. What do you think they're referring to here? So Edwin, I think this could be one of those paragraphs again that we'll look back on in 10 or 20 years and really understand what the House of Justice is referring to here. You talk about that in one of your previous episodes. When you read a message of the House of Justice, you look at it and you think you understand it, but really only with the passage of time does it become apparent about what the House of Justice is really trying to explain to us here. But I think this message in particular is probably one of these, where we'll think we may know what this means, but only in the passage of perhaps the next decade or two, will we look back and actually realize what this, what this means, what this actually means in, in reality. So the House of Justice talks about 
preparing us for an ever deeper engagement in the life of the wider society. So we have to progress society as well as progress the Baha'i community through the Institute courses. It says it's actually the most potent means of the society building power of the faith to find release. So at the moment, they're saying the existing materials aim to build capacity for a broad range of initiatives, but there will be more. And this was the thing that really was something new. That it's not just going to be the expansion and consolidation of the Baha'i community, all community life, all social action and discourses, but there's more to come. So this vehicle is going to be something which we perhaps even can't fully understand yet. And only with the passage of time, when the House of Justice unfolds it, will we actually understand it. So for me, this was, this was incredible. And I, I really, to be honest with you, think that only with passage of time will we really understand what this means. The House of Justice also says that we'll soon set out the approach that will guide this work over the coming years. So they obviously have in their mind what that approach will look like. So we'll have to you know, stay tuned for, for more. Well, our listeners are definitely staying tuned. We're on the edges of our seats, Kynan. We can't wait to hear the additional guidance that comes out that will help shed light on the new directions to come in this new learning arena. How incredibly exciting. And another exciting arena, without a doubt, is the youth and the guidance here for our youth. Over the past 25 years, the youth have played an amazing role in the success of the training institutes. We discussed this as one of the hallmarks of the past plans in episode four of our series, one of the greatest achievements over this period. And this message has a special call to action for youth. They call this their sacred charge. What do you think they're referring to here, Kainan? This is really an amazing and I think reasonably unique part of Baha'i community life is that instead of saying, what are you going to do when you grow up? What are you going to be when you become a, a proper person, like an adult with proper responsibilities? The head of our faith, you know, the supreme body, source of all good, free from all error, is saying, it's the youth. The youth actually will set the standard. The youth will be in the vanguard. This is a sacred charge which they're giving to the youth. It's completely different to how we think of youthful activity. Youthful activity is a time of frolicking and being free and perhaps free of responsibilities where the complete opposite is what's happening in this plan. The complete opposite is what's being charged to the Baha'i youth. Actually, in this paragraph about youth, they say something which I found quite amazing, and I actually didn't really pick up on this until I had to restudy it for, for this conversation. They said, appreciating the effectiveness of the Institute process, every follower of Baha'u'llah will feel a desire to contribute to its advancement in some way. So here they're saying that every follower of Baha'u'llah will have to contribute to the Institute process in some way. So there is a call to action from the House of Justice. But then they, of course, finish that by saying, not least the Baha'i youth, not least the Baha'i youth. So really, they're asking the Baha'i youth to be in the vanguard of this process. Not only do they have the youthful energy and freedom to move and to act at this age, but they have opportunities in schools, universities and other spaces and work and family and social interaction to promote the institute process, the training institutes. They even raise the possibility of some youth dedicating a period of service, maybe even successive years, to provision of education through the institute process 
And they also talk about this concept, which I haven't seen previously. I may have missed it, but they say, really, the Baha'i community has a responsibility to advance their commitment to continuing education, not just the institute process, whether it be in universities or apprenticeships, because this is the way that they'll integrate all of these aspects together. They specifically mention, for example, the Institute for Studies in Global Prosperity, but there'll be more to come, of course. And we'll see all of these things coming together for the youth, education, institute process, service. When I think about what I did, and probably what you did as a youth, Duane, which was, you know, still, we had a lot of fun. There was a lot of great service and activities and a lot of interesting deepenings we probably went to. If you think about the opportunities that now lie before Baha'i youth today, you know, the institute process, the university programs, like the Institute for Studies in Global Prosperity, the community life, and now the opportunities for advancing clusters with home front and international pioneering. I mean, this plan is for Baha'i youth. This plan is for Baha'i youth for the next 25 years of their life. And really, it's, it's an amazing vista. So rather than youth being relegated to a subsidiary role or a, a waiting room role, we're waiting for you to do something and then become something else. The youth here are at the center. They're, they're our most precious, precious part of what we're all doing. It's, it's really amazing when you think about it. So true. What an exciting time to be a youth. And really, all kudos to our communities who truly look up to our youth. I mean, where else would you find a community electing its youngest members to its key roles? Yeah. That's truly just a reflection of the stature of the youth in our midst. Such a unique Baha'i thing. You know, as the Universal House of Justice once said, youth can move the world. And they are. Okay, let's move on. Increasingly, as the world becomes better acquainted with us and our principles, while society around us will make demands of us, demands for potential solutions to their problems. This is something we talked about in our last episode. They'll want to see how we put our principles in action. Now, I want to share a real power quote from the message here. So fasten your seatbelts. The Universal House of Justice says, quote, the more the intellectual life a community blossoms and thrives, the greater its capacity to answer this call. It will be up to the followers of Baha'u'llah to provide in the world of ideas, the intellectual rigor and clarity of thought to match their commitment to spiritual and material progress in the world of deeds. I'm going to read that again because it's so powerful. The more the intellectual life of a community blossoms and thrives, the greater its capacity to answer this call. It will be up to the followers of Baha'u'llah to provide in the world of ideas, the intellectual rigor and clarity of thought to match their commitment to spiritual and material progress in the world of deeds. Wow, Kynan, I love this quote. It's one of my favorite parts of the message, and I'd like us to explore it a little bit further. I mean, this really speaks to me. It's a big part of what we aspire to in this podcast. 
it adds another dimension to the society building equation. We've talked before about the spiritual and material progress of a society, but this adds a third dimension, this intellectual life of a community. Wow, what a construct. How does this speak to you, Kynan? This could be another one of those paragraphs that we'll look back at in, in, a, in a plan or two to see how the universal house of justice is really propelling us forward in this area. I think what the House of Justice is calling us to do here is to really delve a lot deeper into what we've been previously doing and perhaps also broader. Baha'i scholarship requires us to have a very deep command of the Baha'i writings. We need to know what the revelation is saying. We need to understand the breadth and the depth of Baha'u'llah's revelation and of course Abdul Baha Shah Effendi in the House of Justice. But we also have to really understand what's happening in society. We can't have a superficial understanding of what's happening and put it down to a few sound bites or a few quippy remarks. We really need to go in deeply and understand those things. And we also need to understand the current learning that's evolving. Having humility to understand that perhaps there are things out there that we can learn from that will aid us in both understanding the revelation and how it will apply to society's issues. And of course, how to do that in a way that's communicated clearly in a way that people can understand is also a big challenge. So there's, there's a lot to do here. And perhaps this is also an area that we'll look back in 10 or 20 years and realize there's a lot more to it than even what we're thinking about right now. Yes, absolutely. Baha'i scholarship is about our ability to apply our teachings to the problems of individuals and society. And as you say, communicating that effectively. Here, I'm reminded of another quote from the Universal House of Justice where they explain this challenge. They call on us to, quote, deepen your understanding of the teachings of the cause so that you will be able to apply them to the problems of individuals and society and explain them to your peers in ways that they will understand and welcome. Wow. Okay, Kynan, our next and final section for today explores raising capacity for administration at all levels. And they devote a fair amount of coverage in this context to providing guidance to local spiritual assemblies. I mean, it's six paragraphs here. It's packed with counsel. What are some of the highlights here that stood out for you? Yeah, this was... This was really amazing. I mean, the focus on local spiritual assemblies for this plan is huge. I mean, some of the highlights for me were things like the importance of sustaining vibrant communities, the role that spiritual assemblies have here. They have to gain proficiency, discharging a wide range of other responsibilities, such as social action, interacting with local government and civil society. We're going to probably see more local assemblies now with this current plan, which is going to be really exciting. And of course, there's also a new process, which apparently was started, I didn't know about this, I don't know if you know about this, a few years ago, the House of Justice had introduced this, the two-stage election process for communities which had larger numbers of friends, where the local friends elected a delegate, and those delegates then elected the local assembly. And that's something that will evolve as communities get larger and they become more sophisticated. And uh, that's another exciting development for local assemblies. 
Well, we also see from this message, the House of Justice is saying that as activities grow and as they strengthen, the local assembly's role will start to commensurately increase. There'll be a wider range of activities that they'll need to help to foster. And that will require much more sophisticated and more advanced level of functioning, both administratively and also in the way that it works with the communities. Another thing which stood out for me was the station and leadership of the local assembly is increasingly recognized by how deeply the believers appreciated the sacredness of the electoral process. And for me, that was really, really important because we see around us no sacredness when it comes to electoral processes. <laughs> I mean, outside the Baha'i community, I don't think there's a lot of sacredness when it comes to electoral processes. But here the House of Justice is calling us to the completely opposite vista. How sacred is it that we all get to participate in the election of our own local body and our duty to participate in it? So there's a correlation here between the electoral process and then the station and leadership of the local assembly. So the direct link the House of Justice is saying. It also means that those who are serving on it also understand in a new way. So the House of Justice says they have this new conception of what it means to be called to serve on an institution. So this was really important, this service on institution. As communities also advance along the continuum of growth, the House of Justice explains that the local assembly will play an increasingly more prominent role. In fact, where large numbers are being welcomed into the embrace of the Baha'i activities, the complexity of an assembly's work is increasing, and it sometimes needs its secretary to have a staffed office, and perhaps also a befitting permanent Baha'i administrative center, what's called a Hazrat al-Quds. And that will be a really exciting thing for those Baha'i communities that are able to sustain and develop one of these local centers, which is a twin, a, a, a partner to the local houses of worship, which every locality will have. And we can see those local houses of worship are now being developed around the world. And hopefully now these local centers of administrative functioning will also be alongside them, working side by side. It's, a, it's an amazing vista. It's very exciting. Yes, so much to look forward to. Now, kind in paragraph 35 is also incredibly powerful. It starts with this image of the spiritual forces that pursuit of the plan releases. I mean, that's a whole topic for another episode. But picture these forces being released. But then these surges are also met with resistance from countervailing forces holding humanity back. Wow. It's such powerful imagery. It's like Star Wars with the force and the dark side. So cool. And the key here is to stay focused on the plans at the local level. And it's with this imagery that the Universal House of Justice then shares their counsel for members of the auxiliary board. And it's massive. I mean, it's pretty daunting stuff. So Kynan, can you help provide a bit of an overview here? Wow. Yeah, it's not like there wasn't enough already, right? <laughs> so I think what's interesting here is the House of Justice introduces this concept that, look, it's not all going to be smooth sailing. You know, we, we are going to have countervailing forces. We shouldn't be alarmed by them. We shouldn't be fearful of them. But we should be aware that as we go about this very clear plan the House of Justice has given us, this very clear framework, there will be things that will perhaps cause us doubt or cause us disappointment 
or perhaps distract us. And here the House of Justice is directly talking to the institution of the auxiliary boards. Here they're saying these forces, auxiliary board members have to ensure, do not allow to be a part of the Baha'i community life. Because the board members and assistants are there at their grassroots level, at the individual and community level. So they have that responsibility of watching over and in a sense, ensuring that our focus is maintained. What are some of the things they say? There's a huge number. <laughs> Let's have a look. They have to be alert to anything that may affect the spirit of a community across different cultures and social environments that must assist the friends to face different kinds of challenges. What about this one? To help previously antagonistic groups find unity through a pursuit of a common goal. To learn to put aside inherited customs and attitudes that belong to humanity's period of adolescence. To overcome prejudices of all kinds. To guard against any tendency to view matters with cynicism or an eye for faults. To sustain an eager and constructive outlook. To put the equality of women and men in practice. To cast off inertia and apathy through the exercise of individual initiative. This is, this is really interesting. To put one support of plans for collective action before feelings of personal preference. To harness the power of modern technologies without succumbing to their potentially enervating effects. To prize the sweetness of teaching the faith and the joy of serving humankind above world interests. To turn away from materialistic ideologies and the worldviews they aggressively promote. To fix one's gaze upon the bright beacon that is the laws and principles of God. These, and many more aside, <laughs> constitute a formidable set of responsibilities for the company of the faithful to fulfill as they navigate what is sure to be tumultuous years in the life of humanity. So that's the wonderful thing the House of Justice has gifted us, these auxiliary board members, to, to get us through these, these next five years. What's interesting as well is they actually make a call to the auxiliary board members through the power of their good example and the clarity of their good counsel. May they help the friends to grow in faith, assurance and commitment to a life of service and accompany them as they build communities that are havens of peace, places where a harried and conflict-scarred humanity may find shelter. Not a small task. Not a small task indeed. And it's even more daunting when you think about how challenging the times ahead are. Okay, now for the final paragraph in this section. Paragraph 36. Again, I love this paragraph because I think it speaks to the real challenge for the community. There's no doubt that one of our greatest achievements of the past 25 years has been our ability to focus. We explored this theme in episode four. But while commending this newfound capacity, the message also highlights a need to balance this intense focus with an expanded vision that accommodates many lines of action. Kynan, help fill in the picture here. Dwayne, it's, it's probably impossible for us to fully understand what the Baha'i community will look like in 25 years. I mean, communities will probably change quite significantly in that period of time. The demands that would be placed upon us are the sort of things we may never have experienced before. It'll mean a diversity of activities, again, the likes of which we've never seen before. The House of Justice says that it calls for an expanded vision, a nuanced understanding of coexisting imperatives 
added flexibility and heightened institutional collaboration. So they want us to really accommodate many different lines of action, many different activities, which advance together, not in competition, but also to be maintaining its focus on how to release society building powers of Baha'u'llah's revelation. So true, and it'll be a challenge for communities, maintaining intense focus while also balancing this with this broader view that accommodates many lines of action empowering rather than restraining people. Wow. Wow, Kynan, what a journey. We managed to work our way through the remaining 27 paragraphs of the message. Thanks so much for helping us explore this all today. Thanks, Drain. It's been a great pleasure to do this with you. And I really, actually, I want to really say I've enjoyed all the podcasts as well. So it's been fantastic that you've been able to do this for us. I really appreciate that. Thank you. Well, it's good to know I have a dedicated audience of at least one listener. (laughs) Dedicated subscriber. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks. And of course, I want to thank you, our audience, for joining in today's journey. Remember to tell your friends about us. And if you haven't subscribed or clicked on that follow button, I encourage you to do so now so you don't miss any of our exciting episode. Well, that's it for today. Thanks again for joining. I look forward to joining you again next time on Society Builders. Society builders paved the way to a better world, to a better day. A united approach to building a new society. There's a crisis facing humanity. People suffer from a lack of unity. It's time for a better path to a new society. Join a conversation for social transformation. Society builders. For social transformation, society builders. So engage with your local communities and explore the exciting possibilities. We can elevate the atmosphere in which we move. The paradigm is shifting, it's so very uplifting. It's a new beat, a new song, a brand new groove. Join a conversation, a social transformation, society builders. Join a conversation, a social transformation, society builders. The Baha'i faith has a lot to say Helping people discover a better way With discourse and social action Framed by unity Now the time has come to lift the game And apply the teachings of the greatest name And rise to meet the glory of our destiny Join a conversation For social transformation Society builder. For social transformation, society builders.